This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. On October 21st, 1978, over the Bass Strait, south of Melbourne, Australia, a man flying a single-engine Cessna radios that he is encountering a strange aircraft. Over the course of six minutes, he describes the strange movements and unnatural speed of the object. Then he utters his final words. It is hovering, and it is not an aircraft. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Frederick Valentich. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, moist basement located in the bowels of Georgia. We come to you mere days away from Christmas. Bro, I'm so excited. I am too. <laughs> it's raining like pouring piss out of boot. I'm not, yeah, it's miserable <laughs> weather. I'm not a very religious man, but if you're going to sign me up for a holiday that gives me presents, I'm all about it. Airing of the grievances. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Festivus. Festivus had to have started by now. Yes. What day does Festivus start? <sighs> I don't know. Just I just I like airing of the grievances, to be honest with you. Let's see. So, this week we are... What day does Festivus start? Festivus is tomorrow. <gasps> awesome! <laughs> <laughs> Festivus for the rest of us. That's awesome. All right, I'm sorry. All right, this week we have procured from Young Kylie, since it is the holiday season, and our case, as you heard on the opening, deals with some high strangeness. We are drinking the UFO White. This is brewed in Massachusetts. It is a wheat beer. It is is one of Coach's lovely, lovely favorites. He loves a good wheat beer. It's terrible, man. <laughs> it's awful. That's Has notes I, of that's coriander why, and orange peel. That's why I'm probably not going to be having too many of them because they're nasty. But I brought some backups just in case. So the case is of Mr. Frederick... Valentic or Valentich, depending on which YouTube video you watch. <laughs> Valentich. We are going to go with Valentich. We're probably going to keep, uh, just, we're probably just going to call him Fred. Yeah, <laughs> Fred. So young Fred was a amateur pilot, I guess you could say. Well, that, what, what number of episode would this be, do you know? 24. 24. We've been 24 episodes in before we start talking about UFOs. It's pretty good. I mean, come on, man. That's uh, pretty good. This is long overdue. <laughs> it is long overdue. We're not... We, we started... We, we kind of... Ow. We started going off into a... We, were, we, t- we turned into a true crime podcast. 
We're supposed to be a mysterious podcast. But we found ourselves doing nothing but murders and missing persons and all this. But guess what? We found a missing person with a UFO. So, double dipped. <laughs> it covers two genres. <laughs> two genres. Alright, so Fred had roughly 150 total fly- hours of flying time. Okay, so yeah, Fred is not a very experienced pilot. No. But he had a class 4 instrument rating, which basically says that he can fly at night, but... I thought he couldn't fly at night. No. He could fly at night, but only in visual meteorological conditions, which basically meant no cloud cover. No clouds. Well, this son of, this son of a gun has tro- has problem with clouds, apparently. Yeah, he almost got... Well, they almost prosecuted him for flying into one. How do you do that? How do you fly into him? Pretty Mm-mm. sure you just go straight into it. How do you get in trouble for flying into him? <laughs> like, how do you get caught? That's a good question. Like, <laughs> I saw you in that cloud. <laughs> like, first of all, in, I mean, who the hell is going to get behind the wheel of a plane and not go through a cloud? That's the first fucking thing I'm doing. <laughs> and buzzing the tower. I... <laughs> You're not going to buzz the tower in a yes, Cessna. Sure I am. <laughs> His coffee's just fine. <laughs> not a drop on the man. But, no, like, <laughs> researching this case was the first time I ever heard about getting in trouble for flying through a cloud. Maybe it's just an Australian thing. <laughs> well, if the two people that we do know listen that live in Australia. They can let us know. <clears throat> let us know. If they're up to date with their aviation laws. But, yeah, I mean, who the hell's not going to go through a cloud? First chance you get. He did it twice. Yeah. Because, you know why? I bet it was fucking awesome. (laughs) I bet he didn't get caught the first time. Now, this is the maybe the best part of the whole thing. Frederick's dad's name. Guido. (laughs) Guido. (laughs) What? Now, it may not be pronounced that way in Australia, but it's spelt just like Guido. Now, both his father and Frederick were ardent believers in UFOs. Yes, that is true. And it's rumored that that was what this trip was all about, was to go UFO searching. Like, you know, a good way to get yourself some flight time. And cover your your second hobby, searching for UFOs. I mean, that's a good... You kill two birds with one stone right there. Yes. Now, Frederick had twice applied to enlist in the Royal Australian Air Force, or the RAAF. Or the RAF. The RAF. But he was rejected (laughs) because inadequate educational qualifications. So he wasn't very smart. That's the way I read it. He was a member of the RAF Air Training Corps... Because he was determined to have a career in aviation. Frederick was studying part-time to become a commercial pilot, but had, in the words of Wikipedia, poor achievement records. I would say that they were worse than poor. He had failed all five parts of the commercial license twice. And the month before this incident, he had failed three more commercial license subjects. Wow. Well, I'm fairly sure that that test is hard. See, I'm not going to fault the man. It's probably very difficult to pass those tests because it's a very... I mean, that's that, that's life and death right in your hands. You, If you're not qualified to 
to do that to to fly an airplane safe safely. They shouldn't let you. No. <laughs> that was probably the most no shit <laughs> sentence ever 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 uttered. Now Frederick was flying a Cessna 182L light aircraft. Um, he was going to travel along the coast out of Robin. Yeah, it was going from uh, Melbourne to um, King Island. King Island. Basically off Cape Ottaway through the Bass Strait. Um, on the evening of Saturday, October the 21st, 1978, he radios air traffic control in Melbourne to ask if there is any other traffic in the area. And at this time, we are going to play for you a recreation of the actual conversation between him and air traffic control. Yeah, it's a, it's it's it sounds fairly um, genuine to me. It fooled me. But yes, but a, the original has never been released. Apparently, the original's never been released, and this is a cut down version of. Uh, a six minute, six to six and a half minute long conversation. It's gonna, I think it's about a minute and a half because all the pauses have been cut out. Yeah. But yeah, you're gonna hear some weird shit. So here is the transmission. This is Delta Sierra Juliet. Is there any known traffic below five thousand feet? No known traffic. Seems to be a large aircraft below five thousand feet. What type of aircraft is it? I cannot confirm. It's four bright, seems to me like landing lights. The aircraft has just passed over me at at least a thousand feet above. Is there any Air Force aircraft in the vicinity? No known aircraft in the vicinity. Seems to be playing some sort of game. He's flying over me. Well, the Sierra Juliet, it's not an aircraft. It's... Can you describe the, uh, the aircraft? As it's flying past, it's a long shape. Cannot identify it. It has such speed. It's before me right now, Melbourne. How large would the um, the object be? Seems like it's stationary. What it's doing right now is orbiting. The thing is just orbiting on top of me. It's also got a green light and a sort of metallic-like. It's shiny on the outside. It's just vanished. So it goes without saying, but what the fuck, man? He's extremely calm. Is what? Well, again, yeah, it's a, a recreation. It's a recreation, but they tried to. They did interview the the air traffic controller, and they they recreated it to the best of his the info he gave them. That basically they recreated it the way he sounded. He was pretty calm. Not me, buddy. You'd know something. Yeah, <laughs> there'd be a lot of beeps in that, but. Dude, I mean, so once that occurs, there's going to be 17 seconds of not, no communication. Uh, Frederick's not going to say anything, but there is going to be a weird metallic sound that is unexplainable. And then supposedly there is some, right before he loses transmission, there is some strange clicking sounds as well. Again, this is all... Very 
very odd. Frederick was traveling approximately 4,500 feet when, at 4,500 feet, when he stated that the craft was approximately 1,000 feet of him. There is an Unsolved Mysteries episode in, I believe it was season six of the original, yeah, season six with Robert Stack or season two with Dennis Farina. And you can actually find the Dennis Farina one on YouTube. And it kind of goes back over the transcript and also touches on two eyewitnesses that came forward years later. One was a family traveling back. And they stated that they saw a green light approximately 1,000 to 2,000 feet above a small plane. And they watched it, but the plane was heading at a 45-degree angle, which appeared that it would eventually crash. But they never heard anything or saw smoke. A couple of years later, I think in 80, I want to say 82, a man comes forward and states that he was out taking pictures of the sunset. I thought that I, I thought it said it was only like six weeks later. I could be wrong. I mean, you probably are. Well, I mean, but when when you find out that I'm not, it's, it's cool. <laughs> you can apologize in any form you feel like. <laughs> okay, here it is. The manifold photographs. So, basically, there was an Australian plumber named Roy Manifold. And he would set up a time-lapse camera on a tripod on the shoreline to take photographs of the sun setting over the water. He would go on to have these photos developed, and it appeared to show a fast-moving object exiting the water near Cape Ottawa Lighthouse. Manifold gave the time that the pictures were taken as approximately 6.47, or roughly 20 minutes before... Valentich reported having difficulties. These photographs were examined by a Phoenix, Arizona-based UFO group, Ground Saucer Watch, and a, and by a number of independent experts. The pictures were not clear enough to identify the object, but it was indicated relative to the clouds in the background that it could roughly be traveling 200 miles per hour. It has also been theorized based on the computerized data of the pictures that the image was an unknown object of metallic origin surrounded by a cloud-like vapor-slash-exhaust trail or residue. Now, skeptics have said that this is nothing but a cloud formation even though they cannot explain why it appeared black in the photo when everything else is in color. You look, if you, we'll post that photo for sure, but take one look at it. That ain't, that's, that's not, not a cloud. cloud. That's not clouds. No, no, no. I can't tell you what it is. I'm not saying it's, it's paranormal. I'm not saying anything like that, but I promise you, you don't see clouds when you look at that. That's not a cloud. Now, it was 1982 when the, 
he came forward after the transcripts of the conversation between the air traffic controller and him surfaced. So, there's your apology. <laughs> <laughs> so, was it six weeks after the transcript came out? Uh, so, could it, we were both right? Is that what you're saying? No. I believe that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> and so and so therefore I accept your apology. <laughs> um there is an actual MUFON case. MUFON? MUFON and that is for the you naysayers out there. That is the Mutual UFO Network established 1969. Yeah. If they say it's real then it's real. It's still real to me, damn it. There's a lot of circumstantial evidence in this case. There is the photographs. There is the family that state that they saw, not, you know, they can't necessarily say exactly it was his plane, but they saw a green light above and a small single-engine plane. Then well, you have the photographs. And supposedly there's also... A lost 315-page government report is not lost anymore. It was found. Somebody uploaded it in, uh, into um, a government database, and it was found. And who, whoever, I'm assuming whoever uploaded it just, was just uploading various documents and had no idea how important it was so because it didn't make any net, uh, any news headlines that it actually was found but it's there you can find it but here's the thing there's going to be speculation about what this trip was for and we get into the theories of it but you know he claimed he was going to king island to pick up passengers and come back but then he he, he told his superiors that's what uh his employers or his superiors or whatever, that's what he was doing. He told his family that he was going to King Island to get some crayfish. And they weren't in season. They weren't available. So could he just be using the, like you stated, the, the King Island to, you you know, basically get some flying hours also. The supposedly there that's had what been. I, that's what I'm thinking is, um, I'm sorry to interrupt. He, he used King Island as an excuse to get in the air. That's what I'm I, I'm going to assume because he doesn't tell King Island he's coming. At that time, you had to let that airport know that you were going to fly in so they would turn the the freaking lights on. Yeah, and it's he's flying over the coast of Australia right at sunset. Yeah, so what most people will tell you the the safest way to travel in the air is over land. You don't want to travel over water, so you try to avoid that as long as possible. So what he was doing, um, King Island is southwest of Melbourne. So he was actually flying down the coast from Melbourne until he gets to the shortest distance between the coast and the island. So Cape Ottaway is actually the very last northerly land from King Island. And yet, it would have made more sense to fly, like Coach said, in a southwesterly direction from Melbourne. But he was inexperienced and trying to obviously log as many hours as he could. Yeah, I think the the fact that King Island didn't know he was coming is, I I think, 
really points to the fact that he was just looking for an excuse to get in the air. Yes. And we do know that he is a UFO enthusiast. So I think that he was purposely going up there to try to find sight, uh, have a UFO sighting. Now, going back to the 315-page uh, official file, it was uploaded to the National Archives Index around 2004, and it was digitized. Yeah, so they thought it was lost. They thought it was just destroyed, couldn't be found, and then suddenly... Somebody just stumbles upon it. And like, holy shit, it's been digitized. Yeah. Uh, many of the theories of why it was lost, and I use that in quotation marks, was that there was a government cover-up. Of course. There's always government cover-ups. Yes. Now, <laughs> the we keep referencing this document, and the reason is, in the document... They found aircraft parts that had serial numbers that fell within the range of Valentich's aircraft serial numbers, which would eliminate that he staged his own disappearance on the way to King Island. But again, if you're going to stage that, you'd have to drop below a certain altitude to stay off radar and then land somewhere or ditch the plane over water but that would wreckage would have been found they also state that the transcripts along with this 315 page document is proof positive that he did not commit suicide another um, thing yeah. is that I read on reddit people are trying to say that he got turned around and was flying upside down and flew directly into the that's ocean, just, that's just, which is ridiculous because gonna happen. it's still daylight outside. Well, it was, you know, it wasn't, it was dark. It was dusk, you know, it, it was it was more dark than it was light. But the simple fact of the matter is that Cessna plane, the, the, the engines are on the wing and they are gravity fed. So if you're upside down, you're not going to be flying upside down very long before your engine's just going to quit on you. And I'm, uh, one of the things I listened to during my research said around a minute to a minute and a half tops is the longest amount of time that plane would be able to fly upside down before it would just die. Well, and you would hear the engine struggling and, on the, and I'm sure that would have been referenced as well. Well, the, no, the engine does struggle. He does reference it. Oh, yeah, towards the and, end, you're right. I'm but, sorry. You're having a six and a half minute long conversation. You're not flying upside down the whole time. It's just impossible. So that, I don't think that theory holds any water. Now they are going to speculate that he, he goes out there to commit suicide. They do, that's one of the reasons given for what, uh, that's one of the uh, reasons given for what happened was he went out there specifically to commit suicide. I, I, I don't He's know. a 20 year old man at the time. I mean, sure, he failed a few tests, and sure, he's not achieving his dream of being in the Royal Air Force, and he's not a commercial pilot just yet, but I don't see any reason to go commit suicide. And plus, when someone goes, 
missing or, or disappears, that is always one of the knee-jerk reactions. Well, they went out and committed suicide, and you'll never find them. Yeah, but... And I find that so... They're going to find some wreckage. Mo- in most airplane crashes, e- even in water, Yeah, you're, you're going to find something. It's very rare or a that you don't, slick or... you don't find anything. And like I know the Malaysian Airlines and that whole mystery of what happened there, that's that's... That's why it's so such a big mystery is because it's so uncommon for a plane to wreck in water and you not find anything. There's going to be some sort of wreckage and debris, and they find nothing. From that day, from that last radio transmission, the man has never been seen again, or seen or heard from again. And if you would like to actually read the 315-page official file... We will post the directions on how to get to it. <laughs> it is a seven-step process. <laughs> but you are more than welcome <coughs> to look at it. And the man that found it, I believe his name was Mr. Basterfield. Uh, he's a great name. Yeah. He says that no one was using the UFO word until reference to this official document came up because they are the ones, the government are the ones that stated that it could be an encounter with an unidentified object. It doesn't, so that kind of, that is where it kind of takes hold on the UFO. Well, and you know, well, everyone locks in on that UFO term as in aliens, aliens, it's aliens. No, it's simply just unidentified. Right. So if a government entity is saying he could have encountered an unidentified flying object, does not automatically assume that they're admitting the existence of aliens. They just don't know what it was. Now, search and rescue was alerted at approximately 12 after 7 when Valentich failed to arrive at King Island by 7.33. And sea and air research, or I'm sorry, sea and air search was undertaken with two Royal Australian Air Force P-3 Orion search planes over a seven-day period. They continued search efforts until the 25th of October. They did find what they thought was a fuel slick near where the last radio transmission from Valentich occurred. But it was later determined to not be aviation fuel, and no trace of any aircraft was found. The aircraft was equipped with four life jackets and an emergency radio beacon, was, and was designed to stay afloat for several, several minutes. Australian researcher Mr. Basterfield that we referenced earlier stated that the parts that they found with partial matching serial numbers to Valentich's Cessna were found in the Bass Strait five years after he disappeared. So that's kind of odd. It's not like they found it during the search and rescue. And it's not determined to be his. or They, they don't know if it's his or not, but it's in the same ballpark, the numbers that they do find. But they, But again, they can't determine whether or not it's him or not. Now, on April the 27th, 1982, a summarized radio conversation between Valentich and Air Traffic Control was released. So, again, there is still 
not a official transcript of the recordings. There are two researchers, uh, Mr. Paul Norman and Mr. John W. Alchetti. They supposedly received an edited copy of the transmission from the Department of Transportation in Australia. And one of those edited copies was sent to Dr. Richard F. Haynes, a former researcher with NASA Ames at San Jose State University. And Dr. Haynes stated that the described metallic sounds were actually 36 separate bursts with constant start and stop pulses bounding each one. And there was no discernible pattern in time or of the frequency. It's what now? Yeah, that's kind of a mouthful. Are you saying he was clicking the mic or is that? No, this doctor basically at the NASA Ames research facility at San Jose stated that they were the scraping metallic sounds and the, the clicking sounds were actually 36 separate bursts of audio with constant stop and start pulses. Oh, yeah. I think, I, well, I think that from what I, my research, I think that's what he's trying to say is that perhaps Frederick was hitting the, the mic, the mic button to, to communicate rapidly. That's a, that was one of the explanations of the, the, the research I was doing to explain that sound. Now, and that would make sense because he goes on later to state that there's no discernible t- pattern. So he's not, it's not like Morse code. Yeah, apparently uh, Frederick was known to do this from time to time. He wouldn't hang the, the mic back up when he was supposed to and he would pick up air and sounds and whoever was listening in would hear certain things they weren't, weren't meant to hear. It's very possible that that's what that is to ex- to explain the the mysterious sounds. But now, after news of Frederick's disappearance became public and was in the newspapers, several individuals came forward stating that they had seen an erratically moving green light in the sky that night. One witness would state that the light that he saw was approximately located two kilometers west of Apollo Bay, Victoria. He goes on to state that him and some friends saw a green light trailing a small Cessna plane and that the plane was in a steep dive at the time. Uh, Ufologists would state that these accounts were significant because most were recorded several years prior to the 1982 release of the transcripts of Frederick and air traffic control. So that would give more credence to the fact that someone actually saw something than they read about it in the papers, then came forward. Frederick's father, Guido, I still love that had stated to the press, the Associated Press, that he hoped his son had been taken by a UFO and had not crashed. Well, of course you're going to say that, because that that gives him hope that his son is still alive. Yes. And I think that's a lot of people say that 
you know, they go on to state that Guido was very, you know, cavalier about his comments. But, like you stated, I think that's the way he is dealing with the loss of his son. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't uh, you prefer... To hold out hope. To yes. hold out hope in any any glimmer of hope instead of just going, oh, yeah, Dad. Yeah, I, I agree. I yeah. Even if it is as far-fetched as being taken, but at the same time, it's kind of very odd, very odd. Yes, but... Now, MUFON, in their article or their case file, they have uh, put forth some explanations of what could have happened to Frederick. And one of the theories put forth by MUFON was that Valentich became disoriented and was flying upside down. What he thought he saw was his own aircraft's green light reflecting off the water, and then he would have crashed into the water. But like we had stated, this was ruled out by aviation authorities because of the high wing of the Cessna. Yeah, you're not, I mean, again, you're not flying the Cessna upside down. You're just not going to do it. No, and the fuel system's gravity-fed, so, you know, it wouldn't have lasted very long. No. Um, They also state in the year 2000, a private investigation of the incident concluded that Valentich had become disoriented, experienced engine and radio problems at the same time, and this caused him to crash into the sea. And they further suggested that the Bass Strait's strong prevailing currents had carried his light aircraft a great distance before it finally sank into the depths of the sea. Again, as quick as they searched for him, there would have been something, I believe. You're going to find, I mean, I would say... Of course, this is just a bullshit statistic, but I would say 90% of the time, maybe more, you're going to find something. Things don't just disappear. One of the more weird theories comes from a man named Brian Dunning, and he states in an episode of the Skeptoid podcast... That Valentich became disoriented while attempting to replicate the second of the opening sequences from the film Close Encounters of the Third Kind. He states that there are similarities in Valentich's air traffic control transcript and the air traffic control dialogue from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I would have to see the opening again to make a comment on that, but I call bullshit. Well, I mean, that would make sense if, you know, maybe the the theory of him coming out there to commit suicide is is actually true because that that adds a mystery to it instead of just you know I'm sad and I'm can't can't do this I'm just going to go out and try to trick people and give my life some meaning you know think about it if if that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to be remembered. We're sitting here in 2019 talking about him. A 40-some-odd-year-old case. People are still talking about it. So if his goal was to, to, to be remembered, mission accomplished. 
Bingo, bingo. I mean, you, you did it. You can't. You cannot deny him that. And you don't. You don't know what people are going through. You don't know what somebody's thinking. It is possible. I don't think so, but it's possible that he did decide to commit suicide. I don't buy it because, again, I think they would have found something. A 2013 review of the radio transcripts and other data by astronomer and retired U.S. Air Force pilot James Magaha and author Joe Nickel proposes that the inexperienced Valentich was deceived by the illusion of a tilted horizon for which he attempted to compensate and inadvertently put his plane into a downward graveyard spiral, which he initially mistook for simple orbiting of the plane. According to these authors, the g-forces of such a tightening spiral would have decreased the fuel flow, resulting in the rough idling. Well, I mean, it would result in the rough idling. And they also propose that apparently stationary, the overhead lights that Valentich reported were more than likely the planets Venus, Mars, and Mercury, along with the bright star Antares. I mean, that right there is where I call horseshit. You can't well, say yeah, you're that right. they're planets. Yeah, you saw it's impossible. It could be Venus. if they had it come would, back out and said swamp gas, it wouldn't have been more it, stupid. It, it's impossible that it could be uh, the planets Venus and Mercury. It, it's got to be aliens. It's got to be. <laughs> it's one thousand percent possible. <laughs> well, I'm just saying you can't discredit us. Which one of them fucking stars turned green? You can't. <laughs> You can't discredit the theory. I just did. You can't. Which one of them goddamn planets turned green? <laughs> when when the when the option is swamp gas up your ass. Maybe he mistem- was mistaken and mistook a planet for something, or he was abducted permanently by aliens. You're gonna have to entertain the fact that he saw a planet. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. But highly it? unlikely. I didn't say that. I just said possible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but <laughs> getting back to the suicide theory, poking holes in the fact that he saw planets and was in and, and mistook it for a UFO. There's other eyewitnesses that has, that saw a green object in the sky. Well, even so, are we saying that they too were mistaken and saw Venus and Mercury and? What not? And the man that took the photograph, he what did he take a photograph of? Well, that's what I was about to say. The guy that took the photograph, there's nothing in that photograph to show stars or planets. No. It's just a sunset with a black blob. That, ladies and gentlemen, is basically the meat and potatoes of it. So, if we touch on the suicide theory, there's nothing in his past that, since 1978, that has come up to state other than he was having difficulty passing his commercial pilot's license test that would indicate he was depressed or suicidal. I mean, is failing a test enough to kill yourself? Well, he's 20 years old. It's not like he's 45 yeah. and he's trying to and reinvent he's, himself. He's 20. He's got. If he fucks it up, he can go do something else. There was a theory that's like, well, maybe he, um, he, maybe he faked his own death to start a new life and get his commercial 
pilot's license in a different way. Why? He's 20. He can just take this son of a bitch again. He's going to abandon his family. He's going to never see his father again. Because he was because he went and ran off to start a new life to be oh, a yeah. pilot. I don't buy. I don't buy any of that. No, not at all. It's almost like I think it's just a slap in the face of the families when people come out and say, "Well, since they disappeared, they either committed suicide or they run off and started a new life." No, it's you know. Granted, we research stupid shit. Oh, I'm sorry. That that's very wrong of me to say. Not weird things, weird cases like this all the time and you will see that in your research when most people can't explain something especially when it's a disappearance or a death most normal people just default to suicide because it's an easy explanation it gives them an answer and they can move on I committed suicide next well no there's something to this right he committed suicide what did the eyewitnesses see what did the man take a picture of why were there other reports of these of this green light? And also, there was no reports of a crash. There, this would have made quite a noise. Him mm-hmm. hitting the ocean or the beach. Yeah, it's it's possible that he could have crashed and it wouldn't be reported. But again, you know, you're only talking seven o'clock at night, yeah. and then they they're they've scrambled search planes within thirty minutes of his last transmission. So again, it's uh, it's it's just odd. It is one of the weirder disappearances of someone, just due to the the actual circumstances. Well, it's a good and interesting disappearance, especially for a podcast because. It's got audio. I know they didn't release it. We've got recreations. They need to release the actual audio. Because I want to, I would love to hear the tone of his voice. Yeah, I would too. I would, the, the panic in it or the, the, the calmness would. The man he spoke to has gone on record that he believes that what, that Fred was being, Frederick was being genuine. He says that I believe that he was seeing whatever he in fact said he was seeing. He gave him no indication that he was lying or faking or anything like that. So the man, uh, the man he talked to believed him. So I say we believe him too. Let's get, let's, let's touch on that. Let's, let's discuss that he's being genuine. What is he seeing? Is there a possible explanation to what is going on? That doesn't include aliens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, that doesn't um, completely prove that aliens exist. What could he, what could he have seen? What could it be? And what could have happened? Explain it to me in a natural way. Go for it. Go. There's not one no, with a green <laughs> light. If it had been any other color than green, I think you have a stronger um, argument of natural it, causes. Do something that nobody has been able to do in 40 years. Right now. Explain to you. Tell me what happened and that in a na- the natural way that this happened with, without involving aliens. Go. And it can't be done. <laughs> Come on, man. I want to hear it. Now, I don't have any natural explanations. I, I go back to the green light. Is 
is an odd color for natural occurrences. What? Okay, so... I Won't mean, be swamp gas over the ocean. I see what you're trying to do there, Coach. <laughs> it's not working. Well, the, whatever it is, is, according to him, is flying at unnatural speeds and making unnatural movements for a known aircraft. He also goes to state that it's a very long object. Yes, he does. And could he... Uh, he refers several times, he asks several times if it's a military aircraft. So maybe he is assuming this it's an experimental aircraft, which is possible. It's, it it could have been. But then again, if he's seen an experimental aircraft, what happens to him? And I believe in, there's another audio recreation where I think Melbourne contacts the Royal Air Force asking if there was any traffic, military traffic. Mm-hmm. And I think the military comes back and says no. Oh, that's exactly what they would say. Because they're up there trying to kill people. <laughs> that's exactly what somebody guilty would say, that they weren't guilty. <laughs> the other explanation would be that it was a weather balloon. Don't give me that shit. No, 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 no. <laughs> We're going. You've already said it could have been the planets. No. Don't give. Don't give me the Roswell excuse. Don't give me that routine. I don't. I don't want to hear that mess. <laughs> they can't all be weather balloons. Sure, they can. <laughs> so the biggest question of the night is basically, what? did Frederick see right before radio contact was lost. Well, what did he see? Where did he go? I mean, you know you know, I'm a believer, man, and I know you are too, but I don't think they're coming here. I believe 1,000% that there are aliens outside of this world. Do I necessarily believe they're coming here? I don't know. Only reason is because I have a very simple-minded grasp of the vastness of space. I took an astronomy class in college. I was presented the information in a very professional manner. (laughs) Whether or not I absorbed it all (laughs) is up for speculation, but I did learn that our teeny tiny pathetic excuses for brains cannot fathom the distances in space. No, no, no. I just don't think there's anybody capable of traveling those distances and I don't think that why on earth no pun intended would they come here how could they find us what would be the purpose of them being here why do we catch sharks and tag them well they're there but bingo we know (laughs) how to find them we're just some fucking fish tank in some alien kids bedroom all right one thing that i found and this will like shift gears but basically that area off of the bass strait has been referred to as the bass strait triangle similar to the bermuda triangle and it goes back as far as 1797 well when a ship was lost at sea. Everywhere's goddamn triangles now, man. It's like, there's so many triangles. You're not convincing me of that. There is a ton of 
of seafaring vessels that went missing in the Bass Strait from 1797 up to 1912. And then starting around 1934, uh, similar, I'm sorry, 1935, um, aircraft started going missing. Several aircraft during uh, the Second World War were lost during training exercises. And then in 72, a de Havilland Tiger Moth flown by two experienced Tasmanian pilots disappeared along with several Finders Islands and then it gained traction most famous would have been Valentich's disappearance. It is extremely unlikely we will ever know the actual cause of this. This Disappearance with Frederick Valentich has some similarities when describing what was seen as the Japan Airlines flight 1628 over Alaska. But it, unlike Frederick's case, the Japan Airlines flight, that unidentified object was massive to the point of the way the pilot drew the size compared to a 737 or a 747 dwarfed it hmm. so you know if it had been th that size i think he would have been describing it better so basically we beat this horse to death <laughs> and drug it out as long as we possibly Look, could listen this is probably one of the most credible UFO incidents out there simply because they never found a thing. They found that one piece of a plane years later that had a couple numbers similar to his. They could not prove it was him, so I'm going to believe that it wasn't. The man vanished off the face of the earth. His plane vanished, vanished off the face of the earth. I think the credibility of the photograph being tested with the unknown object in it, along with there were several people that came forward saying that they had seen some unidentified uh, objects in the sky and a plane before this story of Frederick came out in the newspaper. I think that leads some more credibility to the fact that there was something unknown going on. Do I believe that they just sucked him and the plane up and... They're both gone forever. No, not necessarily, but I do believe there are things out there that we cannot fathom. Well, I did see a thing that um, claimed that on the border of China and Russia, there was going to be some sort of object etching in some sort of metal that claimed that it was from Frederick. And it claimed that he was abducted by UFOs. And he was chosen to pilot one of their ships. And that's why, that's, that's why he had to go. 
Investigators have shed new light on one of Australia's greatest aviation mysteries. Almost 36 years to the month that pilot Fred Valentich vanished without a trace, an independent researcher says there is evidence suggesting the 20-year-old Cessna was spotted in the sky over South Australia attached to a UFO. The Victorian UFO Action Group wants to help identify a farmer near Adelaide who reportedly witnessed the 30-meter craft hovering over his property the morning after Mr. Valentich went missing. It is claimed the Cessna was struck to the si- stuck to the side of the craft leaking oil. The farmer even scratched the plane's registration number onto his tractor but never came forward with the information because he was ridiculed by the few friends he told. Hmm. Okay, you ready for this one? Mm-hmm. Four years after the unexplained disappearance on October 21, 1978, of 20-year-old Frederick Valentich, while piloting a Cessna 182L light aircraft over the Bass Strait in Australia, a suspicious man was arrested by Soviet soldiers near the Soviet-Chinese border. With him was found a very powerful searchlight and a strange dark elongated object like a small flask with two dozen dots printed on its upper section without any visible pattern. The man stated that he was engaged in prospecting in the area but soon admitted under the pressure of interrogation he was indeed involved in UFO research. Inside the capsule, a roll, a plate rolled like tube was found. When the KGB officer extracted the plate, it immediately straightened up, emitting a slight rustling sound. The plate had an English text written with a substance bright orange in color. The text later translated to Russian and translation as follows. I am Frederick Valentich, Jr. Yeah, that's it. Pilot. I was captured together with my plane Cessna 182 by a UFO on October 21, 1978, 145 miles south of Melbourne. Because of very limited time and extreme danger to my state, here is what is most important. What was proposed to me was beyond my imagination. Later, I came to the conclusion that several factors influenced my psyche. At first, the reality of the UFOs and their pilots, and secondly, their proposal for me to become the pilot of one of their aircraft. Here is proof of contact with another civilization, and the man who achieved this is I, Frederick Valentich. That was what I thought, but the most tempting was their fantastic proposal for me to stay in my same physical body so I have not aged over my current 25 years of age my age when I signed such a contract with the aliens this proposal eclipsed everything even those few purely human affections I've had at the moment of the deal I remembered only that my mother had died I am a single I am single with no children I didn't even remember my aunt and two of my ex-girlfriends I have been with this is additional evidence of a strong psychological influence put on upon me. The giant UFO I have to work in is a cargo ship, in quotation marks. The crew except those humans which were captured just like me, and the crew are two to three aliens. All belong to a civilization located in the Pleiades constellation and represent an interplanetary organization with six civilizations from Orion, Swan, the Big Dog constellations. Our solar system is also part of it. Like us, they're also albumin organic entities, breathing oxygen, and of similar body fluid. Answering such questions like, what are they doing here? They stated on numerous occasions that they were engaged in research work. But according to my own observations, 
that are only a mere screen covering their real, quotation marks, activities to calm the conscience of other earthlings who sign such a contract like mine. Our basic load from Earth is liquid oxygen obtained from planets obtained from plants installed on board their ship. These, quote, researchers impudently steal the most valuable part of earthly atmosphere, and idiots like me are actively helping them in this. The main route of our craft, Earth and Jupiter's satellite Callisto, where a huge, constantly operating base is located. Oxygen is loaded into balloons made of plastic metal, Volume can be estimated in weight. The large balloon weighs no less than 110 pounds. The smaller ones, two times less than that. The maximum quantity of balloons that our ship has taken for one flight to the Callisto base is more than 12,000 large and 5,000 small. Imagine how much oxygen they take from Earth. We make two flights per week sometimes. God help me and those who find this letter... Russian or Chinese, I ask to give this capsule to the Australian Embassy and to the representatives of our embassy. Give it to scientists for further study. Supposedly, this mysterious plate was transferred to the Australian Embassy. Style and grammar of the letter were compared with other material written by Valentich. The Australian Commission came to the conclusion that the text belonged to Frederick Valentich, Jr., and I will list this website on our social media. Hmm. So, with that said... So, there you go, man. We figured it out, boys and girls. Proof positive, dude. They're stealing He's stealing our, our fucking oxygen. Global warming. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a possible explanation <laughs> of why... We did it! <laughs> Right here, send the Oscars <laughs> to the basement. <laughs> Oscars. Peabody's? I don't know. I don't Are know. you sure? I don't know. I don't know what it is. I guess there's podcasting awards. I don't know what it's called. Okay. I'll let you know when they uh, invite when they invite us to the show. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. All right. With that said, uh, we just blew that one all out of the water. I have no theory now. My brain is Swiss cheese. I still think he was abducted or he was forced down. But, like you stated, the Malaysian flight, we know it went missing. Mm-hmm. There's no sign of it anywhere. So, no, nothing. You know, it is this a similar type situation? Maybe. But I have nothing. I have Absolutely nothing. Either he got confused, had a wreck, and somehow no wreckage was found except for the one little flap with serial numbers in the same range as his, but no other trace found. Same situation that he the same situation happens, but he committed suicide and had some sort of large hoax. Just fucking with the air traffic controller and making sure that he's remembered and trying to give his life more meaning or this motherfucker was abducted by aliens man <laughs> I mean when, when that's the most likely scenario 
Occam's razor. It's a it's a weird situation. It's a weird case, man. It is a weird case. But I mean, yeah, if he's committed suicide, you can't explain the the eyewitnesses. You can't explain the photograph. You can't explain a whole lot of things. But so. And I don't buy people be like, oh, he saw this mysterious green light and used that as the cover. No, you're not just going to be flying trying to get flight hours to help. You reach your dream career, and then all of a sudden, ah, fuck it, I'll just end it right here. Oh, look, a green light. This mm-hmm. will be perfect. Yeah. No, it's, that's horseshit. You know, aliens are no aliens. People just don't think that way. Mm-hmm. All right. With that, we get into our recommendations, and my recommendation would be the YouTube video, taking a page out of your book. Stephanie Harlow does a 45-minute video on this case. And it is one of her Halloween videos, and she did an awesome job. And I recommend that you look her up on YouTube. She does a lot of true crime videos as well. Uh, She did a three-part series on the... West Memphis 3, very, very well-documented case. Uh, She has several, several other cases that she does an exceptional job on. So if you like true crime, if you like some of the mysterious aspects, I recommend looking her up. She also has a whole channel on makeup for the ladies. (laughs) (laughs) So, my recommendation is a YouTube page called Unexplained Mysteries. It is a five, five, uh, (laughs) it is a countdown based, but they do top five, of course. Um, and they do all kinds of weird videos. I mean, you, you you get the whole shtick. (laughs) If you, if you, if you've made it to, uh, episode 24 with us. You you got it. You know you the shtick. By you got to get it. <laughs> really? He recommended a weird-ass YouTube page? I don't believe it. <laughs> and it's called Unexplained Mysteries. What the hell you think it's about? <laughs> now, Mini Me has recommended that we finally get off our schneid and we actually cover a case that references our artwork. And I think that our first delve into that realm will be the Sierra Sounds. Well, you think we can do a whole episode around the Sierra Sounds? Yeah, I think we can. For Bigfoot? Yeah. Whew, I don't know, man. We just did a whole episode about a fucking green light in a Cessna. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, we have uh, sold two stickers. Oh, we made have. six bucks. I haven't seen a dime of that. Well, that's because your proceeds go to paying for the webcast hosting. Now, <laughs> your three dollars just went right here. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, a gentleman from the state of Washington nice. stated that he thought we would be a true crime podcast like True Crime Garage. But in his words, Which you're just two assholes sitting in a basement <laughs> drinking beer talking about weird shit, yeah. and I love it. Yeah, that's, I, 
That is the most. That rec- that that recommend that comment made my heart smile when you sent it to me. I was like, man, that is amazing. <laughs> it is. It's like because he gets he he, he got it. He's our, but he's from Virginia originally. He's our target audience. He is. <laughs> You're just two assholes drinking beer in the basement. Just like exactly. Me. <laughs> just like you me. got it. Ding 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 ding. Well, I'm just glad we, he found. Us. I know it. Uh, I will say that we have a lot of traction on our Billie Jean and our uh, Olivia Jane. Yes, Case in Arkansas, Arkansas. Man, representing. They're coming through, man. Yes. Uh, one of the comments. We had a direct message on Facebook, and they recommended that we actually delve into the underbelly of the town that Billie Jean went missing in. There's been several books written on that, and there's some shady, shady stuff going on in that town. And we may, during the summer break, we may take on a big case like that. Um, but I mean, do you really want to try to delve into and uncover police corruption? <laughs> In the state of Arkansas? Just, well, any state. That's a road trip, baby. And during the summer? Oh, I... Well, you're all, if we go to White Springs... Hot you're, Springs. You're in, White Springs or Hot Springs? No, I said Hot Springs. You said no, White Springs. Who, where the fuck is White Springs? Who the fuck is White Springs? <laughs> anyway. And who the hell cares? <laughs> it's We're going to Arkansas. <laughs> no, man. <laughs> Let's go. I'm down. But anyway. You some, son of a bitch. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we have had some, uh, a lot of people, you know, comment on what they felt like was a good job that we did on both of those cases. I know we have some naysayers out there in the state of Arkansas. Well, that was just one. She, and she said nay. <laughs> yeah, she said nay a lot. Uh, there was also a comment. And this would be third-hand knowledge that Billy Jean's son had actually listened to our podcast. No way. Oh, my God. If and that's that he true, felt like that we did a good job. Oh, well. I hope it is true. I do hope that's true. That's crazy. But uh, the lady referencing him uh, was related to Billy Jean distantly, so... Hopefully that is true. Hopefully we did her case justice. Um, again, we're just two assholes in a basement drinking beer. Um, we hope we do some of these cases justice, especially when it comes to the missing families and the murdered victims. With that said, we are three days away from Christmas. It is the 22nd. But yeah. by the time you guys hear this, it'll be New Year's. It'll be 2020. So we hope the year of hindsight <laughs> that you have a wonderful holiday week. We hope you have a blessed new year and please stick with us in 2020. We're 24 episodes, 25 episodes down and hopefully we're getting better every episode. You got anything coach? <laughs> we're not. We're not. We're, not. Sure we're just drinking beer. <laughs> talking shit you can hope all you want that we're getting better hope and change (laughs) we're not we're not getting better you got anything else deuces